Well, my uh, little notification says West Irwin Live is live. So welcome to all of you that are joining us online. We, show the, we do our live stream when we have a speaker on uh, Wednesday nights in our summer series. And that starts at 6.30 on West Irwin Live on our Facebook page and also live on our live stream page on our website, westerwin.com. And so uh, hopefully, I know we have a lot of folks that will be joining with us tonight through that. So welcome and glad to have you. Glad to have everyone uh, here tonight. And uh, we appreciate uh, the opportunity to open God's word together with people that we love and who love God's word. Uh, Michael will be leading us in a a few songs in just a moment, and then after those songs, uh, David will be leading us in a prayer, and uh, uh, so uh, the Canifax family is having a great day today, because David gets to lead a prayer tonight, and Marla gets to turn 29 tonight, so that is a a great, great day right there, so uh, happy birthday to one of the great ones. We love you so much, and Marla does so many good for so many. Uh, and we appreciate their family very, very much. Uh, some prayer concerns tonight. Uh, our brother Gary Elrod passed away uh, last week. His memorial service will be Monday morning at 10 a.m. here. And uh, I know Margie Sigler has been working with the group that will be providing a luncheon for the family afterwards. Uh, um, Gary and Debbie were very involved in youth and youth work and youth families. Bible Bowl, Bible Quiz, LTC, um, youth ministry, and so they have a lot of friends in ministry that are going to uh, try to be here as well, and that'll be a great reunion for all of them. But let's remember uh, Debbie and uh, Leanne and Ty and all of their family and friends in our prayers. Also, the uh, family of Sally Ann Pickle, former member here, is uh, mourning her loss, the graveside will be at Jacksonville Cemetery uh, on Saturday, July 17th. Uh, Danny and Sue Skipper are in our prayers in the loss of Danny's sister-in-law, Rita Skipper. Uh, Danny's brother and Rita lived in uh, Pennsylvania, and so uh, uh, we want to keep Danny's brother and all of their family uh, in our prayers. Also, Kara Steifer uh, lost her 103-year-old aunt, Bernetta, Peoples, and she passed away on Sunday. And one more, Anna Chandler and her family uh, lost uh, Anna's grandfather, um, Edwin Edwards, who you recognize as the former governor of Louisiana. Our Bitsy Berryman fell and broke her wrist on Sunday, uh, had to go to the ER, and she will be seeing an orthopedist uh, soon uh, for more treatment on that. And there are many other uh, announcements and prayer concerns in our app. Uh, Sharon keeps that up. And also, uh, you'll be receiving an email on Friday. And we want to uh, remember uh, all of the things that will be there and in our bulletin this weekend. Um, We also have several of our members who are in New Orleans uh, doing a, a wonderful job working with the church there this week. And they will be returning on uh, Friday or Saturday, and so we want to remember them. Also, this week is our uh, uh, peewee week at Camp Deer Run, and so we have a lot of our, our kids that are there as counselors and staff. We have some of our young people that will be going uh, and staying there overnight. Our, our little children go every day and come home every day, and Donnie and Tommy Cook have been wonderful about getting them there 
and home throughout this week. So we're grateful to God for all of those uh, opportunities. I'll be sharing some thoughts tonight after our singing and after our prayer uh, on the life and fall and return of the Apostle Peter. you but it's so exciting to hear about peewee camp and our youth minister here and our youth meeting right now and the work going on in new orleans all great works but also encouraging because things are getting back to normal amen glad to hear that let's sing together marvelous grace of our loving lord grace
Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity for us to be here this evening. And Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here with us, uh, here live and in person, and for those who are joining us via uh, Facebook Live. And Lord, we thank you for everyone who's present here this evening. And Lord, we thank you that we're able to sing songs to you and lift our voices up to you to praise you and glorify you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for the lesson that Bill's about to bring us. And Lord, we thank you for uh, the many talents that he has. And we're looking forward to the lesson he'll be sharing with us. Lord, we pray that you'll be with those families who have lost loved ones. And we pray that you will um, watch over them and comfort them. And Lord, pray that we'll be there for them in their time of need. And Lord, I'd like to thank you for everything that you blessed us with. We thank you for your your love, your grace, your grace, and your mercy. And Lord, we most of all thank you for your son and for the sacrifice that he made for us. Pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we are about halfway through our summer series uh, with the theme, Looking Forward, Conquered or conqueror. Of course, that comes from Romans chapter 8 and that great verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 37, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we've had a few speakers already and looking at some Old Testament stories of those who went from conquer to conqueror. As I said, I'll be sharing some about the Apostle Peter tonight. We have a few more of these sessions coming up. And, uh, and then we'll have a couple of special Wednesday nights in August as we uh, continue on and then ultimately close out uh, this series with a prayer devotional on the last Wednesday in August and, um, and an ice cream Sunday night after that. So if you're watching online, that's going to be hard. Um, I'm not sure how you can do an ice cream Sunday via the internet. So if you're planning on being with us on the last Wednesday night in August, either be here in person or make sure you get to the grocery store before that Wednesday night so that you can take, take part. Uh, it's been a great series, and it's a wonderful, timely subject. As we look forward, as conquered or as conquerors. The Apostle Peter believed he was more than conqueror. He believed that. He just thought he was more than conqueror through Peter. (laughs) That's how he started out, and that's how he continued for a long time. In fact, what that really means is that he was a big talker. Reminds me of one of my favorite preacher stories. Uh, A minister was walking down the street when he came upon a group of a few boys about 10 years of age surrounding a dog. Concerned that the boys were hurting the animal, he went over and asked them what they were doing. One of the boys replied, well, this dog is an old neighborhood stray. We take him home with us sometimes, but only one of us can take him home each night. So we're having a contest to determine who gets to take the dog home. Whichever one of us tells the biggest lie gets to take the dog home tonight. Well, of course, the preacher was shocked. You boys shouldn't be having a contest telling lies, he exclaimed. He then launched into a 10-minute sermon against lying, beginning with, don't you boys know that it's a sin to lie? And ending with, why, when I was your age, I never told a lie. 
There was complete silence for a minute or so as the minister smiled with the satisfaction that he'd gotten through to them. The smallest boy gave a deep sigh and said, All right, give him the dog. Some of us are big talkers. Some of us are big talkers, not very self-aware. And like that minister, Peter was a big talker. Think for just a moment of all the times that Peter spoke or acted out first. Some from just the book of Matthew. In Matthew 14, it was Peter who jumped out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus Obviously, then began to sink, but Jesus and his love lifted me, lifted Peter. Matthew 16, verse 16, when Jesus asks, who do people say that I am? They respond, and then when he says, what about you? It's Peter who says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But just a few verses later, Jesus tells them what that means, that he will die on the cross And Peter rebukes Jesus and says, no, 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 that should never happen to you. And of course, then Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. In Matthew chapter 17 at the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John are there. But it's it's Peter who sees Moses and Elijah transfigured with Jesus and and he says, let us, let, 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 it's great that we're here. Let's build some houses, some place for Moses and Elijah to stay so that we can have them for a while. And then, of course, what we'll be looking at this evening in Matthew 26, when Jesus told them they would all fall away, it was Peter who said, even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you, never fall away, never desert you. And the others said the same. Sometimes when Peter talked big and acted big, he was on target. But sometimes he was far off base. Always Peter was the big talker, quick to speak and act, slow to think and listen and learn. It seems that in his first encounters with Jesus, Peter showed a a little more self-awareness and humility. In Luke chapter 5, one of the first interactions that Jesus had uh, with the apostle Peter, he, he went to Jesus and he threw himself at his feet and he said, you need to leave here, get away from me because I am a sinful man. But that great moment of humility and self-awareness didn't last. And most of the time with the Apostle Peter, uh, it was quite the opposite. We're all well aware of Peter's biggest failure is denying Christ three times during the Lord's arrest and trials. Tonight, let's take a look at what went into this darkest night of Peter's spiritual life and how through the grace and power of Jesus, the apostle was ultimately able to go forward as a conqueror. I sent a little note out on Facebook just a little bit ago about the class, the sermon, the message tonight. And one of the things I said is that we may be more like the apostle Peter than we might think. And I believe as we look at his story and see this event that he would never forget, we realize that that's exactly true. So a few things about Peter conquering Peter. First of all, Jesus' warning. Jesus has a warning to the apostle Peter and to the others in Matthew 26, as we mentioned. 
Matthew 26, during that time when they're all together and it's the last supper that Jesus will share with his disciples before his death. In verse 31 of Matthew 26, Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. The Old Testament prophet had said, but after I have risen, Jesus says, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Verse 33, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. They'd been with Jesus for three years. They had seen everything that he had done. But in reality, it hadn't cost them very much. Now, however, they were going to be threatened themselves. How would they choose? Well, Jesus tells them how they're going to choose. They're all going to flee. And of course, Peter, the first one to say, no, 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 even, I, I'll never do that. I'll never deny you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never desert you. And then Jesus gives him the bad news. I tell you, tonight, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And it's unfathomable to Peter. He can't imagine it. I think that's one of those areas where we're kind of like Peter. Sometimes we forget how powerful Satan is and how well he does his job. We remember the passage in 1 Corinthians when Paul says in chapter 10, let the one who is standing be very careful. Take heed lest they, what? Fall. Doesn't mean that we're insecure, that we don't have assurance because the very next verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says promises, as we talked about in our Bible class Sunday morning, there is no temptation that comes to us Except what is common to humanity, but God is faithful and he will not allow us to be tempted with more than we can bear. But he will also provide what? That way of escape, that way out, so that we can stand up even in the midst of great temptation. Peter and the other apostles could have stood with Jesus that night. Jesus just knew in his great foreknowledge that they wouldn't. And so he warns them, and he warns especially Peter. Before the rooster crows, before this night is over, you'll deny me three times. Well, what's going to happen if you don't know? We all do. But there's a hint that's given in the verses that follow. And it's Matthew's account of what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, now by himself, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, Matthew says. It was meant for all three, I'm sure, Peter, James, and John, but specifically addressing 
Peter. Why? Because Peter had been especially warned not long before this moment. And now Jesus says, stay here and pray. And you would think if there was ever a motivation to pray, it was right then. If there was ever a person who would be motivated to pray, it would be the apostle Peter that night. And yet they were sleeping. Watch and pray, Jesus says in verse 41, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there we are, aren't we? It's not that we don't want to follow God. It's not that we want to be disobedient. It's it's that sometimes we're just flat weak. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't justify it. It's still a sin. But just like we are, Peter, James, and John were weak. Verse 42, Jesus went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. When Jesus goes back the second time, he doesn't even bother waking them up. He just leaves them. And he goes and prays one more time himself. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Well, that gives us a little bit of a hint about how Peter is going to handle this this very stern warning that Jesus gave him. And so that leads us to Luke chapter 22 and Peter's denial. This is exactly the moment that Jesus had talked about. This very night before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, absolutely not, no way. But we're too familiar with the story. In Luke 22, beginning at verse 54, then seizing him, they led Jesus away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I've said it before, but I firmly believe that Peter never forgot that look. He never forgot that moment. Can you imagine in the worst sin you can imagine that you have committed, being able to see Jesus face to face right at that moment? That's what happens here. Even after he had been warned, even after he had been warned again to pray, Seeing Jesus arrested, seeing his, uh, the soldiers taking him away and taking him to the high priests and the others in the Sanhedrin, 
and now worrying about his own fate. And that's how sin does. It, it causes us to make a choice. Temptation causes us to make a choice. And what our brain tells us, what our physical body tells us, what Satan tells us is, it's going to be better for you if you disobey. And that's what Peter's voice was saying. And then Jesus looked. The rooster crows, Jesus looked straight at Peter. And it hit him. It does that, doesn't it? When we've committed a great sin, when we've committed a sin at all, it ultimately, because we have a conscience, because our desire is to serve the Lord, and I think Peter's desire was to serve the Lord, it hits us just how wrong this is. And that's what happened to Peter. And he goes out, and he cries his eyes out. Because the one man that had accepted him, just exactly as he was, and had nurtured him and helped him and taught him, lived with him, he had now denied. So what will happen from here? Well, again, we get a little hint of that earlier as Jesus is interacting with the disciples In Luke 22, verses 31 and 32, again, I think Luke is the only one that reports Peter looking across the way and Jesus turning and looking straight at him. And and I think Luke is the only one that has this exact comment. In Luke 22, verses 31 and 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, all of you, as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I'm amazed at those words, aren't you? Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen. He doesn't make it happen, but he knows. That's the difference between foreknowledge and predestination. Predestination is forcing something to happen. Uh, Foreknowledge is knowing what's going to happen, knowing how people are going to choose. And Jesus has that. And he knows. And he warns them, apparently, several times. But here in Luke 22, the way Jesus does that is, he says, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Just because we sin does not mean that our faith fails doesn't mean that our faith fails. It's in danger of falling and failing. But that relationship with Jesus is still intact until we choose, we decide, we don't want him to be our Lord anymore. We don't want him to be our guide anymore. And that takes more than just one sin. If that were the case, then (laughs) where would we be? Thankfully, that great verse in 1 John verse, chapter 1, verse 7 helps us when it says that the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, cleanses us, purifies us constantly from our sins. And so we're on that path that's leading us to Christ. We're on that path of faithfulness, but it's, it's not characterized by sinlessness. Hopefully, as we continue to grow and mature in our lives, 
the sins get less and less, perhaps. And the trust gets greater and greater. But as I've said before, faith isn't starting at this level and then immediately going up here and staying there all our lives. It's more like this, where you're, you have ups and downs throughout your life of faith. But if you're growing as you should, then the ups are higher and the, and the lows are also higher, not quite as low. And so you're doing this, you're going up, but every so often there's a, one of those moments. And that was Peter here. We, we experience moments like that too. And just as Jesus does for Peter, he cares about us. And he wants us to come back. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, Peter, but I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail. And then Jesus makes this incredible statement, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Just as surely as Jesus knew that Peter would fall, that he would deny him three times, Jesus also knew that he would turn back. And not only would Jesus forgive him, he would put him to work. When you come back, Peter, I have a place for you. And that place is to strengthen the others. What Peter doesn't know is that he will be more qualified than ever to do that after this night. We see Jesus warning Peter. We see Peter's denials. And now we see Jesus' encouragement and acceptance of the fallen apostle Peter. The good news is that Jesus is raised from the dead, the tomb is empty, and Peter and John, as soon as they hear from the women, they make a beeline towards the tomb. And John gets there first, apparently John, a much younger man, and Peter gets there finally, John's too chicken to go in. Peter, of course, rocks right in, and he, and he sees what's there. And John describes it in such an incredible way. It's not just what they see, it's what they don't see. They don't see the body, but what they do see is that that cloth that was over him on his head and, and that wrapped around his body. And it's almost as if the body had just been taken away and everything because of gravity just floats down because there's no body to hold that, all of that up. All those linens, all that tape. And John describes it and he says, I saw and believed. (laughs) Peter saw and believed also. But he wasn't all the way back. And in some ways that's a good thing. We'll see that Peter comes back strong, but right now, not so strong. Right now he's looking face to face at the one he had denied. And I'm sure at this moment, whenever he looks into the face of Jesus still, he sees him across the courtyard when that rooster crowed. I envision him turning away, just his glance going down. That's what I would do. But Jesus is unwilling to let Peter stay there. And so he gives him encouragement and acceptance. And we see that in this passage in John 21 and this interaction between Jesus and Peter after the resurrection, before the ascension, 
When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go just as they had threatened to do the night Jesus was arrested. Verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said, follow me. The very thing he told him at the very beginning, follow me. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified. He wasn't a Roman citizen like Paul. And Roman citizens couldn't be crucified, but Jesus was not a Roman citizen, nor was Peter. And so he was condemned, according to tradition, to be crucified. Also, according to tradition, he said that I am not worthy. I'm not worthy to be put to death in the same manner as my Lord. And so he asked that he be crucified upside down. Well, you're familiar with this story and probably familiar with the words in the original language. The words are a little different. That word for love, that agape love, that greatest of all kinds of love, the unselfish love that Jesus showed on the cross. When he talks to Peter, he says, Simon, do you love me? He uses that term. And then Peter responds and says, Lord, you don't know all things. You know that I love you. But he uses a lesser term for love, more of a brotherly affection kind of love, a friendship kind of love. And this is a new Peter. Because earlier the apostle Peter would have said, absolutely, Lord, I love you with everything I've got. This time, not so much. Oh, yes, Lord, I love you, but I I don't know if I can commit to that. I don't know if I can do that level of love. I certainly couldn't the other night. Jesus tells him, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus asks him, do you love me? That agape, that ultimate sacrificial kind of love. Again, Peter says, no, Lord, you know know all things. You know that I love you. I just don't love you quite that extent. Again, take care of my sheep. And then the third time, Jesus uses Peter's turn. He'll meet us wherever we are. He cares about us and he'll work with us. And that's what he does with Peter. And so we asked him, okay, Peter, let's use your term. Do you love me? And now Peter is distressed, probably because he used the word, but maybe even more so because Jesus won't let this go. And he says, Lord, you know I love you. I realize there's great lessons in the terminology that's used, but I think the greatest lesson of all is just in that interaction. Do you love me? Will you feed my sheep? Will you accept my forgiveness? Will you go with the acceptance that I'm showing you and be the leader? I need you to be, I want you to be. In spite of this great fall. Well, what will happen? We see another hint in the first chapter of Acts. After Jesus is ascended, 
in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city after Jesus ascended. When they arrived, they were upstairs in the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter. And the other apostles are listed as well. Verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Peter is there and he stays. As hard as it was for him to look anybody in the face now, to look anybody in the eyes, they knew what a big talker he had been and they knew how horribly he had failed. It's one thing to sin greatly. It's another thing when everybody knows, everybody knows. And everyone knew about Peter's sin. And yet, there he is. And then starting in verse 15, it says this. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, about 120. (laughs) And yet, Peter bravely stood up because he knew in his mind there's something we need to do. There's a prophecy of scripture that needs to be fulfilled. And even though he had zero credibility now, Peter stood up. And he said, look, the Bible says somebody needs to be chosen to replace Judas Iscariot. We should have seen it coming. And so now we need to find somebody to take his place. It was Peter who did that. That gives us a little hint that, you know, he's, he's going to come around. He's not there yet, but he's going to come around. And so finally we see Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. On that great day of Pentecost, they're all given those miraculous languages, the apostles, and, and, they, and we see that message beginning in verse 14. It's Peter, as Luke records it, who stands up with the 11. They're all standing up. I think they're all going to be preaching, obviously a huge crowd. And Terry Frick was not able to be there that night, so the sound system wasn't working quite especially good. So they're probably all preaching and all talking. And then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. And he begins to tell them about what just happened. And he shares the story of Jesus and he does it very bravely. This is the same man who denied Jesus three times after being warned. Verse 22 of Acts 2, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter could have also said, and I did nothing to stop you. But he didn't have to say that because everyone knew. Everyone knew. He goes on and he talks about what happened with Jesus and how it fulfills prophecy and and how his body did not see decay, just as David prophesied. And then he says this, In verse 36, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And whether he knew it or not, he was signing his death warrant. It didn't happen right away. It was years to come, but it ultimately would happen. 
When the people hear this, they said to Peter and the others, what do we do? And Peter replied in verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, very bravely standing strong in a crowd of people that must have included some who were there when Jesus was crucified. Many of them had stayed from Passover to Pentecost, less than two months, and there they were. And Peter preaches very boldly, and the people hear that call in in verse 41. 3,000 of them accept the message and are baptized. And in verses 42 and following, they continue to meet with Peter and the other apostles and follow them in their teaching and their doctrine. Meet together, breaking bread together, praying together. Having fellowship with one another as a brand new church with a surprising, person joining those who were taking the lead, the Apostle Peter. Well, we don't need any hints because now we have confirmation. In the rest of the New Testament, there's confirmation of how Peter has responded to his horrible fall and failure, to Jesus' encouragement and acceptance, and now to the call to ministry. In chapters 3 and 4, it's Peter and John who are the first ones arrested and threatened to be quiet. In chapter 5, all the apostles, including Peter, begin to be persecuted and are beaten and flogged. In chapters 10 and 11, it's the apostle Peter who goes to the house of Cornelius and baptizes the first non-Jewish convert. In chapter 12, James is the first of the apostles killed, and Peter also is arrested. And he's there waiting, and an angel comes, and he's asleep. To deliver him. The angel has to poke him in the ribs. Wake up, we're getting out of here. In chapter 15, when the apostles and elders meet to talk about what are we going to do about these Gentiles, do we make them keep the law? And Peter says, absolutely not. And he tells his story of what happened when he visited Cornelius. Galatians 2, we read that interchange between Paul and Peter, and we realize that Peter is still very human. And then we read the books of First and Second Peter and we are convinced this man is a leader of God's people. Well, as the sermon title indicates, there's a sense in which Peter finally conquered his tendencies and temptations and became a vital part of the church, as we all know. Yet also, as we all know, and as the apostle himself would be the first to admit, it was not Peter who conquered Peter. Jesus conquered Peter. And Jesus wants to conquer us as well. He will have it no other way. He'll either conquer us or he'll turn us loose. But when he does, when he conquers us, we too can go forward as more than conquerors through him who loved us. So two things to remember as we close this evening before we get washed away. I don't know if it's raining where you guys are, but apparently there's all kinds of stuff happening outside of our building tonight. So two things to remember. First, others around us are just like Peter. (laughs) Others around us are just like Peter. Very human, good days and bad days, strong in faith, weak in faith, big talker, sometimes failing miserably. 
The Apostle Peter found forgiveness and acceptance through the love of Christ and shared that message of love and hope with others. And that's us. We are called upon to do the same. And so the Apostle Peter himself writes in 1 Peter 3, verse 15, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Be ready. Live with hope and then tell people why. You can do that when they ask. Others around us are just like Peter, and then we are just like Peter. We've been there. We failed Jesus miserably. And yet he continues to encourage, to accept us, to call us to ministry. He directs us to people that need to hear exactly what we have to say and will understand exactly the experiences we've had. The good ones and the shameful ones. We too have failed miserably in following the Lord. Like Peter, we have a great need for Jesus' forgiveness, encouragement, and acceptance. And like Peter, we have those things. We have them all. Through the Savior, we are looking forward as conquerors. We are looking forward as more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we close tonight with this great statement, the way the Apostle Peter closes his letters. 2 Peter 3, verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your great, inspired, authoritative word. Thank you, Father, that it reveals people just like we are. Thank you that it reveals their great victories, but it also reveals their horrible failures. Thank you, Father, for the Apostle Peter, that he answered Jesus' call, that he stayed with him through that, those years of ministry, that he wept and repented after he had denied him. Thank you, Father, that he was willing to continue to meet with people who knew everything about him. Thank you, Father, that he was willing to speak up. Now, more humbly, but as it turns out, every bit as boldly. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to do the same, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope that we have within us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are dismissed.